I did not ask you before we started um, recording, and this is recording, and I well, probably should just cut it off, but I'll start. Um, I'll just start a new recording. Um, how do you pronounce your first name? Kavitha. Thank you for asking that. Uh, I can't tell you how many people that I've been repeat guests on their shows have mispronounced their name. And then there was the one woman who was hosting a Fox, a local Fox Sports radio show, did a full hour with her, and she called me Kathy the whole time, so... All right, you know what? I'm not going to start a new recording. I'm going to leave this because that's awesome. I Also, because I'm proud... Oh, shoot. I just punched myself right in the microphone. I hope that that's still recording. It sure is. Because um, I told my daughter today that I was doing this, and I pronounced your name right when I did that there after um, we've met in person once or twice before. Yes. And, um, but aside from that, I've mostly seen your name written down uh, as we interact on the Twitter machine, as most people do. Mm-hmm. So, yay! Um, yeah, thanks for having me, man. This is—I um, mean, I wish the score were better, but this is this is always always good to be at the ballpark. Yeah, you know? it's six-three Astros as we record this. They're beating the Yankees. Um, today is Thursday. It's the first game of the four-game series that they're playing. I, do not remember which June 20-something it is. It doesn't really matter. Nobody cares. You're listening to a podcast. It's the night of the NBA draft. We're following the NBA draft. I am currently double-fisting with a beer in one hand and the NBA draft on my phone in the other. So so we have the best available are still there. I mean, we had a ridiculous upset with the number one pick, so that is a hard hit ball. And there goes, oh yeah. Jameson Tyone is still in this game despite giving up that one's 114 miles an hour off Jordan Alvarez's bat you, you know for what, a though, single off the right field wall. Every every ball that we've seen hit looks like it's been hit hard, but I saw, I think Max Goodman tweeted that only one and now two balls that uh, the Astros have hit have had an exit below more than 100. So. Yep, a lot of them were in the mid-90s yeah. on the scoreboard. Just screaming off the bat, though. Um, the home run that Alvarez hit, and, and he just had Keith Hernandez ooing and eyeing on SNY and that ball like it it like got over right field and it was like it picked up speed like yeah. it was like going into warp <laughs> are you a Star Trek fan I'm sorry are you a Star Trek fan I know Star Trek a little bit I'm more of like uh, a DC comics but like the literature of the comics kind of thing okay that sounded pretentious as shit I'm sorry <laughs> no but it's understandable the Yankees just had a four-man outfield for Kyle Tucker, and he still got a hit. Yeah, he did. Because when you give up 91-mile-an-hour line drives, <laughs> that, that was another one. Yeah, he, he's not giving up not giving up the hundos, but the... I mean, what do you think the pitch limit's going to be here for Tyler? Well, he's at 73. I, I can't imagine we're going to see him for much more of a game where he's given up six runs and we're in the fifth inning, so yeah. we don't have to worry about him. But what have you been up to lately, aside from holding the NBA draft in your hand and <laughs> watching the Sacramento Kings doom some poor bastard to playing for I the know, Sacramento Kings? I still Kings. can't believe they got rid of Halliburton, but let's let's not even go there. Good for him. <laughs> uh, um, not too much. I uh... Keegan Murray. <laughs> What is happening? I will say, shout out to all my former athletic colleagues who are in town at the draft. Miss y'all. This was the first time I think most of us were in the same room together this time last year. So, uh, hope y'all are having fun. And deadline writing is going to be fun tonight. Yeah. (laughs) I don't miss it. That is already one of the best things about this uh, new Endeavor job at Willard's Pan. This is Willard's Pod, by the way. I'm Jesse Spector. Five minutes in, you figured that out already. You know why you're here. Deviants who have already paid for this service. Um, and we welcome our beloved deviants. I say that in the most complimentary way possible, as one. Um, yeah, that's, that's me. Um, and I can say that because I know that my mom does not know how to listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. I have told her not to listen to the podcast. I've told her on a couple of episodes, okay, go ahead, listen to the podcast. Um, she doesn't need to hear me talking about um, Francisco Lindor's butt. Um, I've told her to go listen to the podcast a couple times. Doesn't matter. She she is not figuring that out, and that is fine. She can continue to not listen 
do this podcast. You know, power to her. Um, I will say that my parents did listen when I hosted the lead. My parents did listen. My mom is actually a baseball or a sports fan, and my dad yeah. is not really. He likes tennis and cricket, and that's kind of it. But uh, I think after, it was a daily yeah. show also. So. No, it's only 82 miles an hour for an hour. I'm sorry, you were saying. <laughs> no. Your uh, mom is a baseball fan. My mom's a baseball fan. My dad is not, but God bless him. My dad will come to any kind of baseball-related thing that I, I can do. So, thanks, Dad. Thanks for My mom is... My parents were both baseball fans. Um, and my mom is, you know, a baseball fan, but also... Um, it very much sticks out of my mind that her favorite player of all time is Dave Winfield. There you go. Because of his butt. Ah. I see. And I've known that for most of my life. And I am doing her the favor of not inflicting upon her me talking about baseball players' butts. Do you know, I, I wrote a column, I was at ESPN several years ago, about why it's not hypocritical for women sports fans to marvel at the physiques of male athletes. Of course not. I I read that and I remember it and I agree with it completely. (laughs) And it was because, honestly, uh, uh, what was his name? There was a swimmer, not Nathan Adrian. Not Nathan Adrian, Connor Dwyer. Wesley Jones and I both picked up on the Connor Dwyer thing earlier. And, uh, yeah. Those, those swimmers were all beautiful doofuses anyway. They really were. No, they were actually all lovely. Nathan Adrian, to his credit, uh, he did an interview with me when I was hosting the lead. Uh, the week after they, or the week that they announced that Tokyo 2020 would be postponed. And, you know, he was very candid and, and very honest. And then, you know, he's a sweetheart. I asked him, you know, I had a friend back in New York who's a healthcare worker and a huge fan of his. And he recorded a thank you message for her. Uh, and she, she still has that recording on her phone to this day. So. As she should. <laughs> Why would you delete it? You know. So Jose Trevino was one of the few, I think he might have been the only player on the current roster who was at the Derek Jeter documentary premiere at, uh, at Tribeca, and they, they announced him when they noticed him in the crowd, and the entire theater gave him a standing ovation, so. That's awesome. Already a fan favorite. Jose Trevino, also um, a favorite of this show, having uh, approached the cycle during Pot at the Park episode two. There you go. Um, Aaron Judge's bobblehead night. I was here with Tony Dale, and we saw, yeah, Jose Trevino had a, you know, one of his big nights love it when the when the backup catcher he's not even the backup catcher anymore he's right. just the catcher love seeing this happen for, for our cult heroes that's uh, we still I think wish that's, Gary well that's my, that's my connection with Brittany Uber too is it like she loves catchers I love catchers I was a catcher in high school and mm-hmm. I was yeah and I was a catcher in high school my um, my senior year line at St. Anne's was 0 Zero zero zero, <laughs> and I played regularly. Um, like I like walked, like ha- literally half the time. I thought you went to St. Anne's. We will not bore your listeners with no. going through the mutual friends. I'm sure we. We have. can talk about that after we finish Absolutely. the uh, after we finish the recording. That line does remind remind me of. Um, I can't remember what year it was. It might have been '09. Um, I was listening to Mike and Mike in the morning, and Greeny said. Something to the effect of this Yankees lineup makes the 1923 Murderers Row Yankees lineup look like the Stuyvesant High School lineup for which I batted eighth. Now, I also went to Stuyvesant High School. Uh, I lived around the corner from Stuyvesant High School uh, when I got out of college. There you so. go. And I can tell you that, um, you know, our football team is called the Peg Legs. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> we were very smart kids, but we got no business playing baseball. So. Uh, yeah, my first... <laughs> job in journalism. My, my entree to the Daily News was taking high school scores over the phone, and ah. a lot of those scores had Stuyvesant <laughs> listed second. You know, I dated a guy uh, in like 2008 or something who 
one of his like part-time jobs was he was a PSAL ref. And he was like, so I just dressed a baseball, or I just umpired a baseball game between Stuyvesant and I want to say Beacon. And he was like, y'all got pummeled, first of all, obviously. But he was like, but apparently a bunch of the players in science, like chemistry class, had invented a synthetic material to make the pitchers mound out of. And this is the first time using that. He's like, yeah, that, that, sounds, tracks. that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, our high school field in St. Ed's was um, in Red Hook, mm-hmm. near the Ikea. The Ikea was not there was at the time. I was going to say, that was not a thing then. And um, the field is uh, now a super fun site. Because mm. mm-hmm. when I went to the Ikea, I drove by and I was like, you know, I'll show my kids where I played high school baseball. Um, yeah, that was neat to say, oh yeah, I played there, cool. <laughs> super fun, you say. Um was it as a result of my hitting that this was declared a super fun site? Like it was just that toxic? That oh, are you are you just taking you're just taking one for the team right there? I am, but no, I was I was that bad of a hitter. Um, <laughs> I was a good, I was a legit. I I can be honest about it. I was a terrible hitter and a legit good defensive catcher. I mean, there you go. Yeah. We've had a few of those pass through the stadium for what, years. So. What made no sense was the time that they had me DH. That does make no sense. <laughs> Went all the way out to Nassau County to DH. <laughs> Complete misuse of everything I was good at in baseball. Right. Oh, boy. And, yeah, the, the 97 Yankees losing, like, the one bad year in that dynasty... Um, allowed me to take my yearbook photo at the old Yankee Stadium. Oh, there you go. They were like changing out the sod and everything. It uh-huh. was um, it was really wild to see that. As a, again, as a 16-year-old, like, but yeah, they were like, yeah, you got you can come if we're not in the playoffs anymore. And I was like, that's quite the Sophie's choice, and I really. <laughs> um, I guess that's the greatest hedge of all time right. on, on your rooting for something. I mean, listen, I'm still salty that NYU graduates their kids at Yankee Stadium, so. All right, is, it, where is Columbia's? Is it at Bakerfield? Uh, on the Columbia campus. It's on campus? Yeah. They don't even take you up to the, to the stadium? I love Bakersfield. Where, um, do they, where do they do it on campus? In the basement no, they torture do, they do, gym? They literally do the whole like procession down College Walk. Oh, that's and cool. they, they set everybody up in front of the library. Okay. And it's, it's actually quite beautiful, but it's not Yankee Stadium. <laughs> I do love Bakersfield. I love I love that whole, like, Inwoodville Park is yeah. fantastic. Well, listen, you got a bunch of Columbia kids together, and most of them have never been north of Columbia, so... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a kid from the Heights. You know, it's a beautiful stadium. It's like right on on a beautiful part of the Hudson. And it really is. Had some very successful baseball there recently, actually. Ivy League champions uh, actually went around further than anybody expected to in the NCAA tournament. So. They got to the Supers? Uh, we got like a win away from the Supers. Okay. They beat Gonzaga and they beat, I think they beat Virginia Tech once. They beat Gonzaga twice. Um, just more than, more than I think most people expected. So. Penn is never in the tournament and I feel okay about that because it's always weird now to root for my alma mater because they're a scourge upon the world and um, I met my wife there. I met a lot of great people there. Um, but I was there simultaneously to, uh, you know, a couple of people who belong in federal prison. Ah. Where did you go? Penn. Ah, yes. <laughs> the, the greatest things that Penn ever did for me were um, introduced me to all those people, including my wife, uh-huh. and, and also instilled a lifelong hatred of Princeton and Harvard. That's absolutely true. I think also when you go to one of these schools, and I didn't graduate Columbia, so I can I can say this um, very confidently. I think when you go to one of these schools, you know, most of us shouldn't be extremely proud of having gotten into them, especially if we didn't come from backgrounds where we had money or legacy or anything like that. Yeah. But you also meet so many dumb people 
and you realize it is just not oh a great my marker. <laughs> goodness. I mean, I think my favorite story of, of a very dumb person at Penn was that I worked at, you know, worked at the bar because as a smart person, I figured out I wasn't going to turn 21 until my senior year. And I needed easy access to alcohol. That is just shifty, Jesse. So I, 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 I got I a job it. at the bar. I respect it. Um, one night, some kid comes up. His ID says Jesse Spector. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> and there was another Jesse Spector. Was that him, though? It was not him. Okay. I knew him because we would get each other's mail. Sure. And trade each other's mail. Wait, so where is he getting? Did he just go through the like the student list and like pick a random name? I think he had the other Jesse Spector's old fake. I see. Because it was a it was a Connecticut fake, mm -hmm. and the other Jesse Spector was from New Jersey. And my old Deadspin bio was mostly aimed at him. Um, my old Deadspin bio was sorry for ruining your Google results. <laughs> and if the other Jesse Spector is out there listening to this somehow as a paid subscriber, which he's not because I would have noticed it on like the Substack. Right. Jesse Spector has signed up. Um, I'm, I'm sorry for everything. <laughs> <laughs> See, problems you won't have when your name is Kabitha Davidson. There are, you know, five million Kabithas in the world. I always tell people yeah. it's the Jenny of India. There are quite a lot of us, but really not too many of us with a super colonialized last name. So... And not as a result of your own no. decision to change it. No. <laughs> so, we, we were talking before about, and this is something that we were talking before about, the bridge. You went to Stuyvesant here yes. in the city. And uh, we were talking about, I lived around the corner from there, so also would use the pedestrian bridge over the West Side Highway that was installed after... Uh, people were killed trying to go to school crossing a highway. Yeah, maybe crossing a highway isn't the best pathway it, for students. Yeah. I, I mean, there yeah. is a traffic light, but it's still a highway. It, it is very much a highway. It is a four-lane highway also. There yeah. is a meridian, but, you know. Well, it's an eight-lane highway. It's, it's four lanes each direction. Each side, it's, it's, yeah. 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 It's the approach to the battery tunnel. Um... <laughs> The reason that I uh, that I bring that back up again is our experiences getting into this ballpark, where it's just like, from an urban design standpoint, somebody's got to do better than this. Like, yes, I mean the traffic is obviously a nightmare, and nobody should take a car to Yankee Stadium. And I'd say that as a hypocrite because I took a car to Yankee Stadium today. Um, it was okay, because but, but did I was you take already. An Uber? Or a, or a cab or whatnot. I took a cab, okay. but it was, that's, I, I didn't, I, I, I'm one of those New Yorkers who's never been behind the wheel of a car myself. Fair. Um, Good for you. Thank you. My boyfriend I wish I had. cars, that's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic right there. That is there. interesting. But Let's explore that. We'll explore no, that. Go on, go on. Um, but no, but, you know, the traffic is a nightmare. Um, I, I don't, we talked about this a little bit. I don't really understand why entering the stadium has gotten so much worse this season than it has been in years past. And let me tell you, it hasn't been great in years past. No. But it's somehow, you know, I went to opening day, I went to a Cubs game, I went, I've been to a few games this this year, and, oh, that was almost catchable. Yeah. And every single time, it has just been a nightmare. And we've shown up early, today mm -hmm. I was late, it has not mattered. No, it's, it's, I mean, they have clear here, but it really is airport level at, Yankee Stadium, and I think that it's both a partially design of the place and the way that they have designed their gates and entry setup, mm -hmm. um, and partially that you know they've probably had a lot of turnover in the last three years because of COVID. And well, that and that's completely understandable. And I do, I have I have some close friends and, and some family of close friends who are stadium workers, and it has not been easy. No, and not at all. you know, I think that you know. Tip the person serving you your hot dog, please. Yes. Just, just do that. And they um, give you that option. Uh, the one, I mean, one thing about like the the pay, um, you know, Yankee Stadium and and Shea are now you know cashless environments. Um, right. And that does give you a chance to tip your servers, right. uh, which you should do. 
But yes, I, I mean, I think you know, security turnover is, is a reason. Um, I just, they seem, it's brutal. It, it, it's been absolutely brutal. Opening day was kind of the worst, but that's a little bit to be expected. Um, the clear line, you know, I have clear, and it's not always clear where clear is, frankly. Um, and then, especially with everyone pulling up their um, their tickets and their clear on their phone, your internet access goes in and out. So sometimes, the, like, you just can't pull up clear. Yeah. And now I'm like old man yelling at Cloud about how no, I feel like, it's and, and this the is, I feel like I did this on a previous episode too, and I I, I swear I'm going to stop, but. It's important to get out of the system because I've spent the last, I, I was in the BBWAA for eight years, right. and I had, like, before they let me in the Baseball Writers Association, like, I had season credentials at Yankee and Shea, and now Altuve's batting and everybody's going to boo, and that's the highlight of this 6-3 game as the Trailblazers pick somebody. <laughs> God almighty, they're going to blow this. Well, the synergy there was really great, though, because... Oh, Shane Sharp. Um, okay, they the, didn't blow it. Because Altuve came to bat just as Adam Silver came to the podium to announce this pick. So it's like it's like we're at Barclays right now. Yeah. It's just like we're there. And there's another hit for Altuve. This is just going terribly for anybody who cares about good in the universe, which means that hopefully all the good karma just in the world is going out towards Brooklyn, all the positive energy towards the Knicks. Yes. Not fucking it up tonight. Well, that is now the most important thing in sports tonight. Okay. I, I say this as a lifelong Knicks fan. Times are You've rough. well. Times are rough when your hopes of the night and your hopes of karma are resting on the Knicks doing something right. They've, so. dra- they've drafted well. They have drafted well. From the moment that they didn't trade for Russell Westbrook right. two years ago, this right. has been a different organization. I appreciate that. I I have all the patience in the world. I'm 41. I've seen them go to the finals twice. Yes. If they lose 50 games three more times, I don't care. Like, build it, build it the way that you need to build it. They are clearly okay at identifying talent. Like, they got R.J. Barrett in here. They got... Cam Reddish in here, and Tom Thibodeau refuses to play him. But I mean, that Cam Reddish trade in the middle of last season, I remember where I was. I was so psyched up. I was, I was, I got into a, a yellow cab, I and like, I immediately texted three friends of mine, and I was like, this is a great trade. He was a yeah. steal. He was a throw-in in this trade. And then Tibbs doesn't, doesn't play him at all. Tibbs, though. I mean, what, does he have too much cartilage in his knee for him to be played? I don't really understand. Like... The thing about Tibbs, and I think this will become evident, <laughs> is that he's the guy before the guy. Yes. He's, oh, he's the Buck Showalter. He's the earlier career Buck Showalter. Oh, and listen, shout out to Buck, who like, actually yeah. really did build our dynasty team. And I uh, highly recommend the Derek Jeter documentary, where, of course, Buck makes a lot of appearances. What a mess Buck has become yeah. over the years. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a thing. And he's doing an admirable job with the Mets right now, obviously. I believe in Buck a lot more than I believe. And, and like, this is the thing that we were also talking about. We didn't really talk about, we didn't get into before the show too much. But, like, I am more optimistic about the Mets this year than I am about the Yankees because of the man in the dugout. I do not trust Aaron Boone. I think a lot of people don't trust Aaron Boone. Um... I think, I mean, I said this to you, I think what's, what worries me the most about the Yankees making a deep October run isn't the talent, obviously, but it's the talent that's unproven in September and October. Nestor Cortez is Cy Young level right now, yeah. and it's phenomenal to see. We just don't know what he's going to look like in September, and we have to be able to plan around that. We can't possibly be expecting all the guys who are overperforming right now to continue to do so. Um... And that's just, I think, a realistic thing. I don't think that's a cynical fan thing. Um, sometimes the journalist comes out and it is like very much, you know, mm-hmm. let's let's mitigate expectations here. And then, I think the Yankees just have a much more difficult path to actually getting to the World Series. And this yeah. is, 
you know, it's extremely cliche. Everyone's making all of these comparisons to the 98 team. And then it, every time you talk about the 98 Yankees, you talk about the 2001 Mariners. And there's a reason the 2001 Mariners won that many games, set that record, and still didn't make it to the World Series. So... They ran into the 2001 Yankees. Well, they, they, <laughs> yes. Other among other things. And, frankly, in the series, they would have run under, they would have ran against... Schilling and Johnson, yeah, which is something that the Mets really much have in them right now. They've got Scherzer and DeGrom, who haven't even played most of the season. Um, so imagine what they look like when they get two of the best pitchers in the last five years, five to ten years in baseball back. Um, you, you know that at some point, Boone is going to put a role to Chapman in a game in a huge spot. And Man, I'm glad that the guy that I hate the most on the team is a guy who sucks. Right. And who's, like, the biggest liability and who has, co- like, has cost them playoff series and, like, has been, like, on the mound for the end of playoff series yeah. that were not celebrations. I love that nobody remembers that he still blew that game with the Cubs. Now they managed to come back, but he blew I remember. that save. <laughs> I was there. And, uh, that Rajay Davis home run is one of my favorite <laughs> moments that I've ever been at in anything. Were you there? I was there. I was covering it. I had yes. an existential crisis after that game, walking around downtown Cleveland. Like, I just covered the Chicago Cubs winning the World Series. Yeah. What the hell else am I going to do? Right. I mean, there's just nothing else. Yeah. I, I ran into a guy the next you know, the next morning as we were going to the airport. He was like, yeah, I'm going to Jacksonville to cover Notre Dame against Navy. After the Cubs won the World Series. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's where my like, flight's going. Talk about uh, anticlimactic a little bit. Then I got laid off a week later. Oh, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> no, it's, it's great now. I'm happy now. I'm doing this now. It did go out on a high note, though. So. Yeah. I loved my time at Sporting News. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And it ended. And now, six years later, I'm here. Wouldn't get to do this with you if I was still there. That's true. That is true. And that's why I'm doing this. And this is fun. I am glad I'm not mic'd up most times I'm at the stadium, though, I will say. <laughs> that is good. How many more picks do we have until the next? We should we should keep recording, I think, until we get like to the live our live reactions to the, the next pick. Should we get the live mix Let's see. Because we I feel like we've done a good show up to this point. The Pelicans pick is in. Dyson Daniels. There is, there is, like, no vibe in the stadium tonight either because, like, you had the, the Astros with the three in the first and then Stanton hit the three-run homer tied up in the bottom of the first. Astros went back to Just as I say, there's no vibe, of course. There's, like, a big cheer for I mean, I say coming to the plate. Like, nobody's giving up. Our entire but, like, did leave, presumably to find seats under a, an overhead. But. Yeah. you want the Knicks to take here tonight? If if you have, like... Oof. Who are you looking at? You know basketball a lot better than I do, I think. I don't think that's true. Honestly, um... I feel like you do. Just take it. <laughs> I mean, I... Listen. I don't know what Tibbs is actually trying to do with his scheme on the court. No. So, like, I, I can't really answer that question. But from a team-building perspective, because I think that I think we're good Tibbs is not guard. the long-term coach. If, if, we, if we operate with that belief, and maybe he is. Maybe he grows and evolves. I don't want to cut him off for that. Right. I was wrong about Jeff McNeil, who's now having an, like, an all-star-level season for the Mets. Is, I fair. was raising him shipped out, so... Listen, I am always willing to eat my words when I'm wrong about something, especially if it means that I'm wrong about something negatively that ended up going positive. That's why it's so. nice to be a pessimist sometimes. Well, yeah. Sometimes. A realist. I, yeah. Don't get your hopes too far up. Don't get your hopes too far down. Aaron Judge. Oh, boy, he hit that ball hard. And right to Altuve. It's just not their night. It's 118 mile an hour out. 
That's sports. I mean, look. All right, so beyond beyond those, because I don't know anything about the draft prospects. I'll be honest. Like I've read some names. Jaden Ivy would be. Jaden, I mean, I mean, conventional wisdom is is. I mean, that would be great, but he's not. But bigger, bigger question. Yeah. What do you do this summer? Oof. Okay. Um. I don't think he's actually on the table. I don't necessarily want Kyrie to come to the Knicks. Oh God, no! Um, Please no. I don't. I don't know what it would take to get Dame here. But I think you do what it takes to get Dame here. Is he not past it? I think he is, but listen, like, I mean, he's not. He's not prime Dame. But I don't think there are a ton of people who want to come to New York. Who are in their prime right now, um, and that's the unfortunate. It's really hard for Knicks fans to hear, and I don't believe there are any actual Nets fans who were born in Brooklyn. Um, I believe there are. I I will say I know some. Having as a born and raised in Brooklyn person, I am not a Nets fan. Okay. But I do know many people who quit the Knicks. So I completely do understand that, and I think that every fan should have the right to do that. Um, and if you're from Brooklyn and you grew up a Knicks fan, and the Knicks have just broken your heart too many times, uh-huh. I can't fault you for it. No, you, you do not need to be in a toxic relationship with James Dolan. But there are not 18,000 of those people, is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, it's a small and very pained group of people. <laughs> But what is the overlap between those fans and the ones who have stuck it out with the Mets and have been rewarded for that? Well, there's been no reward in any of it for anybody. Well, I think a lot of Mets fans, a lot of Mets fans might not say this out loud, but it, they are just happy to have a contending team and to not think that things are a shit show. Now, yeah, can, I mean, I, I can go think over the people I know who go back to them with Jersey. I mean, go back to Jersey with them would agree with that, that not being a shit show is a massive improvement. Yes. <laughs> I'm, honestly, the Knicks not being a shit show is a massive improvement. Right. It is. And this year wasn't good, but it wasn't a shit show. No, it was not a shit show. Um, I don't know what you do with Julius Randle. I don't know what you do with Julius Randle either. I don't think he's particularly tradable. Um... If you are, if you're trading him, you're just cutting bait because he exactly. sucked and right. he's never going to have lower value. Right. Um, yeah. What I was saying was, I think a lot of Knicks fans don't want to hear this, but people just don't want to come to play for the Knicks. Right. No, I think that the Knicks future really hinges on is R.J. Barrett a superstar? Right. And can he then, like, be the guy that, like, gets his buddies to come play with the Knicks? Yes. And, I mean, is R.J. Barrett a superstar? I think that the answer of his talent, like, we have the answer about his talent level. Developmentally, what are we doing as an organization to get him to that point? And surrounding him with support is not one of them so far. I think... Honestly, his development is the big reason that you need to trade Julius Randle. Yeah. Because they just, they clash too much. You're not going to be able to build R.J. Barrett into the superstar that you need him to be so long as Randle is here. Maybe, maybe he could have been into that, but he had that one year where he, like, carried the team, and now he thinks that he's, or I can't speak to what he thinks. But he certainly appears to think that he is a bigger star than he is. I think that's right. And and listen, the the season that he had, the season before last, you know, that it was, was magical. It was magical. It was a revelation. It was. You know, I will have that We Here shirt forever. Absolutely. I saw I saw playoff basketball at the Garden for the first time. Hell yeah! In, in seven years, like. I never have. 
The, the closest that I've had to playoff basketball in my life at the Garden, I guess well, the closest would be playoff basketball in a different arena, but the closest that I've had to experiencing the feeling of a Knicks playoff game was that I covered, I think it was Knicks Blazers. Knicks Blazers, the day of the Giants 49ers playoff game, where with the bad snap and Trey Junction. And they showed the end of that, like they showed it on the Jumbotron, and everybody was like, oh yeah, they only show good clips on the Jumbotron. <laughs> this is going to be awesome. And it was like, oh, oh no. oh no. That's the closest that I've been to seeing a Knicks playoff game in person. Well, that sucks, man. I'm sorry. It would actually be a really good podcast episode, not necessarily for your show, but for any show. Um, what are the weirdest or most memorable instances of another sport or another sports, like another game's highlight being showed in the stadium that you were at? Kind of the spinoff of the Osama Bin Laden dies on Sunday Night Baseball. <laughs> okay, so I was thinking more like, I came to a Subway Series game several years ago and the Rangers beat the Penguins yeah, in the Eastern Conference uh, Finals in Game 7. Like... In fact, last last one of these episodes that we've done, I can't remember which one, the Rangers were playing that night. There you go, yeah. And we got the live updates, and it was awesome, because we knew that they were only going to show it if the Rangers scored. Exactly. The, the Garden decided not to do that. They just showed the Giants <laughs> suffering heartbreak in the most painful way possible. You know what it was? I think they might have been showing it live. Oh, it was halftime okay. or some, something. Right. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, that's um and like is yeah, okay, so we had the Yankees win multiple championships mm-hmm. as we were young. Um our adult lives as New York sports fans have mostly been just like the last decade's been freaking rough. From a championship perspective, absolutely. Except for the Giants, obviously. Yeah. And the you know, I think that the way the Giants won in 07, 08, that's... Both, both of those Giants wins were just... Those will sustain I mean, me for the rest of my life as a football fan. I can just be a Red Zone sure. fan forever. Yeah, exactly. I don't care if they're good again. And Eli Manning is on Monday Night Football now. Exactly. Just making my life... Wonderful forever. And All I, I need say, is that little goofy bastard. Hockey, like hockey and basketball, are tied for my second favorite sport behind mm-hmm. baseball. So it's it's it, we can't not we can't take for granted how great the Rangers have actually been consistently for about ten years now. I would say they will always give you a chance because they have the goalie. Well, yes. From Richter to Lundqvist and now, now Igor. Igor. Yes, it's, absolutely. It's wonderful. But, um, however, it is also torturous because they never have the goals. Because they never have the goals. What, what exactly are we cheering about here? The, the bases are empty. There's one out I in the sixth inning. I think you're cheering Rizzo working the count. Did we find out the next pick and everybody loves it? We stopped, we, we turned off the live feed. I, tu- I turned off, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. What are they doing? Because, like, I don't get this. Why is it, like, there's no reason for it to be this loud. Well, it's Anthony Rizzo I love it. I think it's great. Random energy in the middle of the game, but that, that made no sense. I guess now, you know, Stan comes up. He can get you back in the game with one swing. He's already had. All right, Wizards are on the clock. The Knicks are up next. The Wizards are on the clock. They are also dooming some poor so-and-so to a life of misery. Uh-huh. And being Chris Epps Porzingis' teammate. Still salty about that one, huh? That had every reason to work. 
That should have worked. or commit libel or anything and I have no evidence of this at all but just from a pattern of behavior observed over the years in the sports world cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> that it is. Usually the good tip off I find is um, dating models and that's again not to cast dispersions on models but like, you see your athlete model couples, statistically the odds are um, somebody in that relationship I mean, enjoys Colombian exports. I don't really, I mean, I don't, I don't know about that just because I can't think of a ton of athletes who haven't dated models at some point. At least not modern day athletes, like, Okay, well, I, like, you're, you're... This might be a chicken or the egg conversation, to be yeah. honest. I... I can think of a... Maybe it is, because, like, every cokehead athlete that I can think of... Not necessarily every. Listen, if you were hanging out at One Oak, you're not drinking water, and you're, you know... I could never do cocaine, though. Just like from the, I, like I don't even like nasal spray. I'm high strong enough as it is. Yeah, that too. Coffee's enough. <laughs> Occasional Red Bull, like for whatever re weird reason, like I need to stay up or something. I drink Red Bull more often than I should, but that's because, at, you know, in another life I was a very poor intern at the Huffington Post and the only, instead of paying us properly, we had free Red Bull, so. The first time I had Red Bull was at the Daily News. They had some in as a sample. I drank two cans, not realizing um, the effect that it, because I drank one and I was like, oh, this is nothing. Uh -huh. Drank the second one. Um, I walked all the way home to Battery Park City <laughs> in about 20 minutes from 34th Street. Right. And I was not running. I was just walking the fastest that I have ever walked in my life. I felt like I was floating. Yep, yeah, that does sound about right. right. The Wizards, oh, the Wizards took Johnny Davis. He's going to go to Taco Bell. <laughs> Good for him. Better than going to the Wizards. He should just do it right now. Just be like, I got drafted by the Wizards. I'm out. I'm going to get some Chalupas. Should I connect to the stadium Wi-Fi? Because I'm down to LTE and I can't remember the last time I... Had to use LTE. LTE. I know. What year is it? That's that's the other thing I was gonna say. The getting into the stadium thing, and the reason that I need to get this out of my system, is that I'm no longer coming here like as a member of the working press, which I yes. did for so long. Right. I'm also not used to going out of the stadium with a big crowd. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I don't like it. Um, I know, you get really gilded when you have that whole, like, separate entrance and you can bring your laptop in and... I know, my, my wife continues to... You can leave and come back. Yes, and that is something that I used to do with impunity and also kind of when I knew that I was a little... Well, I knew for a long time that I was a little bit different than the rest of the press corps. Um, including my job was different from the rest of the press corps. Right. Like, I was not a beat writer for baseball. Um, but, the, like... I would go out and like walk up to Highbridge, like in between like pre-game locker room availability and the game starting. Like, I don't really have anything to write. I don't really have anyone I want to hang out with necessarily, and if I do, they're probably busy. I'm gonna go take a walk around the Bronx. I mean, See ya. It's interesting because for me, you know, my first sports writing job was at Bloomberg. I was 24, mm -hmm. and obviously I wasn't a beat writer, so I didn't really have occasion to come to the stadium on a daily basis. But when I did come, it was to write something about, you know, how the Yankees fucked up their StubHub deal or yeah. um, security theater at the entrances. And I got to interview the lovely Susan Waldman. Um, 
We didn't find out what her weather app said, but it stopped raining, so. It did stop raining. But I always felt like a little bit of an imposter in the press box. Oh, I felt like that big time just from not being a beat writer and from general imposter syndrome throughout my life. But also just like coming from an outlet like Bloomberg, uh-huh. they always bumped somebody to give me that seat, which I thought was obnoxious. But like, there's a hierarchy of, of media outlets and when you got Bloomberg money, you're at the top of that hierarchy no matter what your cup is. There's so. plenty of room in that press box. There is plenty of room in that press box. Um, but it, it was always a different experience. I always loved being in the tunnels and things like that. And, you know, now what I'm what I'm doing is definitely not beat writing. So, what what are you doing right now? We have not talked about that because oh. that is not what this show is about. Um, but you should also plug yourself before we get the next pick and we go off the air. Uh, well, I'm a correspondent on Real Sports with Brian Gumble. That was not a great call. Let's see this review. Still 6-3, who cares? They're going to need a rally. That was not the inning that they were going to rally. Yeah, but the hitters he wanted that rally from were Glaber and Giancarlo. Yeah. Is it a good or bad news that the Knicks pick is coming at the same time as YMCA? I don't know, man, but let's... I don't know what's in it, because the YMCA, while... Annoying and horrible is a symbol of the Yankee dynasty. Usman Usman Dang. Dang. Is it Usman? Usman. Did Adam Silver pronounce it? correctly. He did, he did pronounce it correctly. It was not, I'm actually fluent in French. Okay. So. I took two years in high school and yeah, that was it. So I was. First European player to join NBA's Next Stars program. I'm going to defer to the experts I know nothing this. about this guy. I, I do not have an informed opinion about this. So. I'm, I'm going to trust World Wide West I getting the worldwide. You. I guarantee my boyfriend and my friend Doug Burns, shout out to Doug who hosts Nick's podcast. What is this podcast it's called? About to text me. Um, Nick's tape? Let me make sure that's right. I'm sorry, Doug. I love you. Alright, so while you look that up, you're you're doing real sports, which is awesome. Nick's bait. Uh, yeah, real sports, I mean, listen, growing up wanting to be a sports writer, there were three shows that I wanted to be on. One was The Sports Reporters with John Saunders, uh, and may he rest in peace, I never yeah. got to do that show. The other was Outside the Lines, and, you know, shout out to Bob Lee, who, even before I joined ESPN, brought me on Outside the Lines, and when I was at ESPN, I did OTL quite often. And the third was Real Sports with Brian Gumble, which, you know, not to toot our own horn, but really does set a journalistic standard and uh you know we just won an emmy a few weeks ago which is very exciting thank you we are all about emmy winners here at um and i'm flying writing for us which is amazing that's amazing you're welcome to do so as well like but you have like people paying you more than we possibly can but if you ever have um what i've been saying to people who and i'm now saying this on our podcast we have um infinite creative and editorial freedom and support it's extremely important and extremely limited money yeah um but thank you to the people who have paid to listen to this podcast absolutely you're making it happen no and also like on a a serious note like i appreciate anybody who pays to support journalism yeah absolutely because any reader or listener that understands that this shit isn't free um is, is is a good reader and listener in my book but no, actually, I'm, I'm flying out to India for two weeks in July to film my next piece for HBO. Oh, wow. Uh, my family is from India, but they're from a completely different part of India, so I've never been to this particular part, and it's very rural, and there's a little bit of violence involved, so uh, a little bit nervous. And I've also never been to India in July. It's going to be hot. Yeah. <laughs> India in July, is it like tropical India or more so this northern? this particular part of India is the north... East. So it's more, okay. there's some mountain ranges, you know. Kind of up towards that little. Uh, 
Yes, but like it's it's closer to West Bengal, basically. Okay. So thankfully, it's not subtropical. But that you know, it's currently 105 degrees in Ranchi. Sure. So you know, give give it a month. <laughs> no, but I'm I'm very I'm very grateful to be able what, to do stories like this. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say. It's okay. Basically, there's a then don't. <laughs> there's an academy for girls that uses sports and. Um, they're being threatened with violence. We we will find out all about this after you report on it. Yes. And, um, I I would love to have you back on this. I think that probably the off-season iteration of this will be um, pizza-related. I can do... Or perhaps yeah. basketball-related, but those tickets are we, uh, we, significantly know, more expensive. I'd rather I'd have... I want to go to the Liberty with this show. You know, yeah, let's do that. All right, we'll do that. Cool. Um, <laughs> I'm also all for doing a pizza thing. Listen, take pizza recommendations from native New Yorkers and not Bostonians, kids. For God's sake. That, <laughs> I see that sticker on pizzerias and I'm like, I, what are I, you? I, I, I guess you need business. I, I, I try not to judge because they're small businesses. No, 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 I don't judge the businesses. I do judge the people who trust his opinions on pizza. Or anything. Or really anything. We have better opinions on pizza. We will share them with you. That's Kavitha Davidson. Who we will hear more as a guest on various Willits Pod associated projects. I will also pester her to write things that she wants to write about that uh, she doesn't have space for elsewhere. Because that's how we roll here. This is all just an elaborate ruse to get more and more people writing for our website, which means more and more people subscribing, which means more and more money for the awesome people who I wouldn't get to work with ever if I had stayed in my old stupid job. That's absolutely true. And listen, yeah, please continue to, to subscribe and support the Substack. And again, yeah. journalism matters and journalism can't come free. So Also, whatever we're doing that is... This, okay, also, yes, to, <laughs> to, to, to reiterate, I am What Kavitha is doing in India is journalism. And what you do usually is journalism. What we are currently what? doing at this Yankees game is nowhere near journalism. You know what, though? It feels an important... <laughs> it does, no, but there, media is important. There is just a difference like between media we, and journalism. We are doing some kind of zine-type project, and it is important. Like I mean, this particular conversation we've had, not what you're, not what you're no. doing. <laughs> I think a lot of our particular conversation has actually been pretty good at okay, exploring some of those things that... We can explore more seriously in the future. No, but absolutely. for now, we've been at this for 52 freaking minutes of watching the Yankees do freaking nothing. nothing. They have two hits the whole game, and they were both in the first inning. Fromber Valdez has uh, locked them up in a big way tonight. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm going to be back here on Sunday for the next one of these, and um, maybe then the Yankees will um, not stink. Game one of a four-game set. I think the Yankees have only lost two series this entire season. Let's let's give them a little bit of slack, guys. Nope, they're blowing it. Starting right now, I'm going to apply all Mets logic to the Yankees. Now that's oh, how it works. They're they're flipping. It's Freaky Friday. Today's Thursday. Kavitha, <laughs> thank you so much for being on. Thank you all for listening. I'm Jesse. We're going out on a high note of organ music. Love y'all. Next time. <laughs>